Hello and welcome to the Com Majors Podcast. I'm Brian Costello. And I'm Jim DeSanto. And today we're going to be a little pause there. Yeah, so it's, yeah, like it's a, dynamite, dynamite dropping. So fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Uh, today we're going to look at the 2010 Christopher Nolan and Leonardo DiCaprio blockbuster Inception. But first, the most important question we ask every week, what are we drinking? And Jim, I'm hoping you didn't tie one on before the show this week. I did not. Uh, and, and you'll actually be drinking something. I am. I am drinking tonight the uh, foolproof bourbon from 1792. Ooh. Um, it's pretty good. I'm not blown away by it. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's good. It's serviceable. Right. It's nothing. Right. Well, that's nothing there's a crazy. lot in there for it to only be serviceable. <laughs> I just got it today. So I'm, I'm okay. giving it all. Right. So yeah. Will some of that end up in the infinity decanter? Oh, definitely. Definitely. All right. Awesome. I've, I started uh, that and I, I, maybe I'll preview it a little bit. Um, yes. maybe not went next week, but the week after I'll, I'll show how far it's gotten. But I went through a couple bottles that, you know, had, um, uh, you know, more than half and gave them each a little pour in. So I am pretty excited about the infinity. I know you the are. Infin- That's the only the reason infinity, I'm doing it. <laughs> the infinity, uh, next infinity war movie comes out the month I of my 40th that. birthday. So oh. perhaps we could celebrate my 40th birthday, um, and have some of that. Uh, I am drinking brand new, just can for the first time, shovel town brewery, um, conductor IPA and has a little Ooh. train on it. And I picked it Specifically, uh, for those who have seen Inception, if not, you don't understand why I would pick a train-based beer. Uh, you will soon in our discussion. Uh, and Jim, of course, next week is visiting for our big Jim in Boston episode, and he will be able to um, taste test all of the Shoveltown beers. So that is That's very awesome. exciting. Very excited about that. Um, so before we go into Inception, it's always time for our fact check. Uh, winner of this week's pre-show song technically was Mariah Carey, the dream lover, but I didn't listen to it, honestly. Instead, <laughs> I spent the entire pre-show listening to Debbie Gibson's Only in My Dreams. And man, were there some great dream suggestions by the fans this week on yeah, Facebook. I mean, some really good songs. If you have Debbie Gibson, yet. Only in My Dream is probably not one, but I I loved it. It was yeah, fantastic. If you haven't guessed yet, Brian likes to stir the pot with me by suggesting songs that I probably would not ever listen to. Um, uh, by the, to be fair, Scott Mullen, a fellow St. Joe's prep and Scranton alum, recommended Deb- – I can't believe I forgot Debbie Gibson, Only My Dream. I, I, I feel I let my inner 80s <laughs> – fan down yeah by not doing that's that. a but pretty good fantastic. one I, I, you were bopping your head when we when we when oh we i was i will here. rock out i will rock out to it uh <laughs> so a couple of fact checks from last week's show uh namely the big fact checks question was during shape of water giles the neighbor <laughs> the artistic neighbor brings up the fact that kellogg's cereal yeah. uh cornflakes was created to stop masturbation <laughs> now i found that to be ridiculous right. this idea uh, comes to be very true, however. John Harvey Kellogg was yeah. a doctor in an insane asylum. Uh, and he was actually a leader in something called the Anti-Masturbation Crusade. If you think the current political landscape in this country is whacked out of your mind, just imagine there used to be something called the Anti-Masturbation Crusade and a man spent his time <laughs> developing a cereal which he believed 
believed in his warped mind would people would eat it and not masturbate as a result. Yeah. Of, yeah. And hence cornflakes. But I do have to add, Jim, you were also spot on because I wanted to check the graham cracker thing yep. as well because it is such a delectable, delicious treat. I almost made a, a graham cracker <laughs> pudding pie to eat during the show. Uh, that was actually part of the first vegetarian movement okay. in U.S. history. It was not about masturbation. It was about being a vegetarian. Right. Uh, so for what that is worth. Um, now, Jim's homework from last yeah, week. Yeah, so my was homework. Was the wildly disturbing thing that I went down this rabbit hole of mistakenly, yeah. which was there is a whole fanfic romance genre of Shape to the War. Did you check out any I of that think fanfic? We are both probably on a watch list now somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fanfic. Did you, I, have a, I have a question. Did you read the one about the sperm whale? I hate you. No, I did not. Very interesting. Very interesting. So for for those that aren't familiar with what fan fiction is, it's when uh, a group of people, usually online, who become such huge fans of um, a work of art, whether it's music, movies, um, television show. um, And and these folks uh, start to create their own storylines around the characters which is actually how 50 shades of gray got its start yes it was a a multi-billion dollar industry now right yeah one of the worst books ever like all of it the books the movie it's like billions of dollars but it 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 started as twilight fan fiction and uh became became what it is now which is you know skinamax you know yeah not quite acceptable. even good enough because the acting might be slightly too good. Yeah, yeah, to that's, true. that's uh, true. Now, you, so you, we won't read it. You, did you have a little uh, Shape of Water weekend there? Because on Twitch, you could comment. And our only commenter ever is Jim's wife. Now, we've transitioned <laughs> we're on Facebook. And when we were talking about fanfic, uh, your wife, Katie, said, I'm boiling the eggs now and I'm getting the man fish costume ready. So that sounded like you might have had your own Shape of Water fanfic. Yeah, I think most of the the idea, what, what this podcast has really warped into is how uncomfortable can Brian and Katie make me feel about myself oh very we haven't even scratched the surface yet i however have thought about this 50 shades of gray is billions of dollars and i finally came to a realization this week i was aiming too low with pretty raptor i was aiming too low with um the lebowski so what i did is i thought what fanfic movie I could make at a very low budget. So Dude. my inspiration was the 1980s, uh, Mickey Rourke, Kim Basinger, nine and a half weeks. And instead it's nine and a half feet. All right. A love story about a woman, a man fish in the YMCA pool. We can do gorilla. Oh, filmmaking. Dude, I, I see. We, I we, see we, crossover with cocoon here. Yeah, we could do this at the YMCA gorilla footage. Wilford uh, Brimley. Wilford Brimley. Um, we could do it all. At very low budget. I think there's an avenue for this might be the one that breaks for us. It, it, it could be. Um, so that's my idea there. Now, only homework for this week, Jim. <laughs> You are coming up. You're going to do a road I trip. I have a Com Majors road trip challenge for you. And I think this is going to be very exciting. Don't. I have scanned into my computer and an email be, will be arriving after the show. 
you are going to stop at a rest stop and take a selfie as an homage to something about Mary's serial killer um, rest stop. Yeah. You are then somewhere in said rest stop going to post the poster of Pretty Raptor somewhere so more people know about this film idea. And probably the most important piece of homework, you're going to bring me a Philly soft pretzel because I desperately need one up here. I I would ask for a cheesesteak, but I'm not sure it would travel as well. I love your enthusiasm. I'm not doing any of that. Well, how about the pretzel piece? That is fairly simple to do. You have to stop to maybe because I think Aileen would appreciate the pretzel. She would appreciate pretzel. That would be fantastic. So the only reason Uh, you have a chance of getting a pretzel is because your wife would want one. That is fine. I will take that. I'm not opposed to that. All right, now it is time for the rundown, uh, where we talk a little bit about the film. So just in 30 seconds, Jim, what is Inception? Oh yeah, in 30 seconds, what is Inception? Yes, 30 (laughs) seconds. If if Uh, any movie could ever be described in 30 seconds, it's Inception. Yeah. So uh, basically the theme of Inception is uh, that the idea is that you can go into another person's dreams and basically steal their ideas, um, you know, steal any information that they have in their brain. um, And Inception kind of is twisting that idea to say, can you plant an idea? So is there the the ability to go into someone's dreams, Freddy Krueger style, and plant a plant an idea and from that point on you know make that person believe that they they had somehow hatched this idea and it's theirs to run with it's not coming from anywhere else um so the the main idea the the plot of this movie is that leonardo dicaprio um dom Cobb, basically has to uh Entered the dreams of uh, Celia Murphy and plant the idea that his uh, he he needs to break up his father's um, empire, his energy empire. Um, so his dad is his his father's dying, and his competitor Ken Watanabe wants to uh, break up their conglomerate. Um, so he needs the son to do it when the father passes away, and he needs the son to think that it's his idea and it's a great idea. So. That's basically the movie, but really what this movie really becomes is, you know, all these amazing dream sequences and how this, you know, this idea of entering someone's dream, shared dreams, how does that work? Um, it's really cool. And it does it better than, you know, there were, this is not a, a unique idea to them. Like I said, the, the, um, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies did this in the 80s with this shared dream experience idea. Um, so it, it's interesting that, you know, they, they kind of take it to a different level here and how it all works. That was actually really impressive. Yeah. What you just did there, because well, this I think is it was not over 30 easily, seconds. it was over 30. Well, don't worry. We're using the shape of water egg timer, which okay. my daughter Claire broke playing with this week. So <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it was 30 seconds. So all don't right, worry. That right, was, right. um, so we're going to break this into film in five now, five basic areas of the film that were, were interesting and to discuss. And there's so much in this movie to discuss. If, if you're someone who has seen this movie uh, and really wanted to dig into it, I mean, you can go and read articles. There's YouTube videos everywhere from it. But the first thing I wanted to talk about, I thought was maybe talk a little bit about the open sequences, but also the establishment of the rules and the use of exposition in this film, because this ties into a a problem we had with one of the films we did earlier 
in the series, which is Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, like Inception, is a film that was extremely dense with exposition in the first 45 minutes of the film. But unlike Jurassic Park, Christopher Nolan came up with a way to push a lot of information yet still make it interesting. I don't think he is breaking any ground with how he did that here, though. I mean, no. he basically introduces Ellen Page as a new, as a character who has no understanding of what this technology is and how it works. So in her training and her learning about it, it's basically Star Wars, right? Like they're teaching her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, how and to do and, all and that there's stuff. there's countless movies before that where, you know, the the audience takes on the knowledge of one of its characters. And that's how you're teaching the audience is through teaching a character. Um, but in Jurassic Park, it was basically just like the characters might as well have been talking to this screen <laughs> yeah because, he just does it better yeah. and i think you're right i think what's so good about christopher nolan is is not visually i think he can be revolutionary in some of the things he does <laughs> in his film but he doesn't really necessarily stray far from the structure that is successful in a lot of films memento being a, a different one if you've Ooh. ever seen that But, um, you know, he starts out this movie, I think, in a really interesting way. We're introduced to Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Cobb, as if almost we're entering a dream. Right. You know, this whole idea we're talking about a dream and you just open up and you don't know how you're there. And Leonardo DiCaprio, we open with him on this um, beach. And fair warning here, I have watched this film close to – 40 times because I taught psychology course at the high school level and we used it. So I, I, I was trying I, I to was going to, I wanted to, we, and we can pin that, put a pin in this, yeah. but we could also talk about the first time you taught a psychology course and, and the credentials thus needed to do so, which there, there's really not much in the way of <laughs> yeah. credentials. I took uh, one psychology course and uh, at the graduate level, and that makes you uh, certified mm, to teach said good, course. Good. Um, but so I was trying to think back to the first time I saw the film. And actually, you didn't even remember this. The first time we saw this film, and I don't know if have you you may have only seen it one other time since that is you and I and our wives went and saw it uh, back in 2010 when it came out. And it was the last film that yep. you and I had seen together before I moved up here. And it was also the first IMAX film either of us had seen. And what an IMAX experience yeah, was, for the first one you ever see. Yeah, I'd, I want to say I saw this once after the theater shortly when it came out on dvd after i saw it you know purchased it um but yes yeah, since then i haven't watched it once which is crazy i know it's a re- it's kind of a hidden gem i thought about because it's been a few years since i've taught psychology and i'm like wow it's been a while i think maybe because i taught it as a thing i, I hadn't it's, thought about it as a movie and i think it's a really interesting movie to revisit at right. least a few times i'm not it, it's not an all-time favorite but i think there's a lot in it to revisit it at least a couple of times yeah and we could talk about it when we get to the to the end uh, things we liked we didn't like and and why why i think that might be but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So 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 Cobb washes up on this beach and immediately you get the shot of little kids. Right. So if you've seen the movie a lot of times, you understand what that is. If you don't, I think he does a great job of this idea of disorienting you. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on. It's supposed to be like a dream. He meets Saito, who's going to be the guy who hires him to go into dreams and. Um, 
and right. it sets up this whole thing and you know it's hard he and he's an old man and we don't know that this is really going to be close to the end of the film it's almost like a classic jj abrams right you know we start with the the end and then we go back to the beginning type of thing and i don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time on the opening because i think until we get into the dreams, I think you did a nice analysis of the fact that, you know, we, we bring in the Ellen Page character and they establish all this rules. This is how you wake up for a dream. This is how we go into a dream. This is, you know, the backstory of Cobb is this guy who's on the run. Right. And the, the meat of the film is once they get into the dreams. Right. Really, right. Is there right. anything from the opening that you think has to be discussed uh, I think it's I think it's better than Jurassic Park did, but at the same yeah. point, I don't think it's the really interesting part of the no, film. No, and but also I will say um, the characters are immediately much more interesting across the board. Oh, I, I think his casting is is really good. Not I think even that's just the, the acting; thing. just yeah. the characters are written much better. The introduction to Ellen Page I loved, which is um, she's an architect and. You find out that um, Cobb's father is – I'm assuming it's his father. I think it is. Uh, Michael Caine. Or is his father-in-law? His Malls is his wife's um That doesn't make father. a lot of sense to me. I thought. I it, know it doesn't, but I think that's who it's supposed to okay. be. And so Michael Caine is a, is, a te- is a professor of architecture, it seems. And uh, so he goes to him because he needs an architect and uh, to help build these dreamscapes. And – he quizzes her by making her build a maze in two minutes that will take more than one minute to solve, which is just when when he first says that, you're like, oh, OK, that shouldn't be too hard. And then you realize very quickly while she's doing it, how how borderline hard that would be for someone to do. Yeah, you um, could, I, and, yeah I mean, and it immediately wild. tells you so much about her character and his character in that one scene, whereas if again, comparing to Jurassic Park. You know, we don't find anything no. interesting about our characters pretty much the entire movie. I don't think there's interesting char- – and I like Jurassic Park for what it is and we had – we don't – not to revisit it. But these characters, there's something intriguing about them I think. I think one idea before we move on to the action set pieces, which yeah. is the second topic here to discuss is we do get this idea that Saito – intros to Leonardo DiCaprio's character during this time period, which is do you want to take a leap of faith? Or live with regret and die an old man alone. That runs right. throughout. That we'll talk about again. And it's introed in this first part. And there's some really cool visual stuff. I love how they shoot Paris, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really cool stuff with how they do that. But I think a lot of what we want to talk about is a little bit later here in the film. So let's transition a little bit. And talk a little bit about the way in which Christopher Nolan in his films, in this film particular, stages the action set pieces in this movie. Because this is an interesting movie in the sense that there's a lot of cool visual action set pieces, but the whole back end of our conversation is probably going to be about the thematic ideas and the character development. But I don't want to skip over the fact that buried in this movie – is a really just amazing action film. It's a heist which, movie, really. Yeah. Or like is. a reverse and heist. I don't, I don't even no, know what to call I, it because yeah, they're not stealing even, anything. But. I think that it's, I mean, a lot of what I want to discuss is the, the themes and the ideas of it, but I don't want to diminish the way he shot this and the action that they have. And there mm-hmm. are, um, by my count, uh, the, the Mumbai chase sequence, the zero gravity in the hotel yep. sequence, the van chase, and the Japanese snow castle Four amazing action set pieces in this movie. Why don't we start with the Mumbai chase and and what you thought of that? 
I uh, I really liked it. And, and I, the one thing I love about this movie is that you are constantly wondering, even though they've set up some pretty explicit rules and been explicit about this is reality, this is not reality. Um, you are constantly wondering if what you're seeing is a dream sequence. So, I, I have a whole at the end. We'll talk about that because yeah. I completely agree with so that in this, terms of what this it piece be. particularly where he is. Um, and this is where he finds Tom Hardy, right? Like, he, yeah, this is with the introduction to Tom Hardy, which I don't remember. No, for neither me, do I. I. I actually this is when I first remember. And we'll talk about him later in it. But I, this is the first time I triggered my mind. And I actually went back to the IMDb and said, is this really where I would have first have seen yep. him? And the answer is pretty much yes. Yeah. And. You know, they're running through the streets of Mumbai. These guys are chasing them. They're kind of nondescript white dudes. So, oh, yeah, it's and, very yeah. it's very X-Files in that like uh, and 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 Maul brings this up later about this corporate like there 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 could there is a theme here and and probably an argument to be made that this whole movie is a dream. Um, I will make that argument later. OK, good. Okay. We'll, we'll put a pin in that for now, though. But when he gets to the end, right before Saito picks him up and saves him and Tom Hardy yeah. from these random guys, uh, he's like squeezing his way through this alley and it seems yes. to be getting smaller. Smaller. It does. Absolutely. It's but I'm cool almost shot, by the way. Very cool shot. But I'm almost sure if you watched it, nothing is actually moving. Um, so it would be it would seem that this is reality. But in that moment, you're thinking there is part of my head that went, mm, is this going to be a dream? Because I don't remember. Yeah, I just with the action in this and I, I love the, the way he uses tempo. In this, it's like this. He, there's like a bunch of starts and stops, and it's mm -hmm. it's amazing because the Mumbai sequence is almost like a movie in himself. Yeah, and the it's got this kind of. I thought that some of the Mumbai scenes when he's sitting with Tom Hardy got me back to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, when yes. Indiana Jones is it the colorscape, like all the tones that it, um, it was Cairo all over again. Yeah, oh, it was so cool and. What I like about this film is – and I was shocked to find this out when I was researching it. There is only 500 visual effects in this film. When I and saw this you sequence that, I was blown away. As, and almost more than half of them are the limbo sequence we'll talk about later in our discussion. But a film that's about dreams – Yeah. The way it's shot in this sequence in particular is so grounded in reality mm -hmm. and the way he uses the escapes and Tom Hardy, who is I, I, I'm a big Tom Hardy fan. And we'll talk about Tom Hardy later when we do our pop culture discussion, which really upsets me what we're going to be talking about with Tom, because I thought he's so good in this. But the use of this sequence, I thought it really it's one of the most I think most based in reality, even though there's weird segments of this whole idea. Um I love the way he shot it. Mm -hmm. The second big one, I mean, there's two big ones. Let's do the the van chase. So now we're going to get into yeah. the dream sequence. So the whole idea is they need to get this. They need to do Inception. And Inception is they need to plant this idea into Killian Murphy's mind. Yeah. And they go into his dream. And we don't well, need to. Again, well, I let think, me just break it down ahead. real quick. Yeah. So the, the, there are three levels that they need to go, three levels deep. Um, so on the, in, in reality, they are on a flight from L.A. to... No, from Sydney to L.A. So from Sydney to L.A. So Sydney, LA. the reverse of Lost. Um, yes, which I didn't even think about. That's interesting in yeah. itself. And uh, they are in... They, the Saito has bought the whole airline company so that they can be assured <laughs> oh, that they, they are private. Um, and, and they basically engineer it so that 
Killian Murphy's plane gets can flight gets canceled. He has to go on this regular flight with them. They're all in first class. They drug his drink, and he falls asleep. At that point, they can enter his dreams with this magic suitcase, uh, which is a whole other thing that I would like to mention. Is just that you have to suspend a lot of belief for for this movie to work. But it for some reason it feels so natural and just easy to do that yeah it's a i think it's a testament to the acting yes the acting is so whereas if this was the acting from some of the other movies we've seen you would just be like this is a joke i I can't because the premise of it is so ridiculous it's a testament to a guy who for whatever reason i don't think of him as the guy who's is my favorite actor but leonardo dicaprio sells anything and it's not a guy like when they say oh the leonardo dicaprio movie's coming out i'm like i have to see it i can never think of a movie and if you think of his like whole scope of yeah. films he has done he can sell anything to me he can be in anything yep. and i'm like this guy even growing pains yeah he even made growing dumpster, pains dumpster boy Oh, my God. But, you know, keep going. I, I yeah, think so uh, the first level of the dream, they all enter enter the first dream. And it is just a um, standard cityscape. L.A. Uh, LA. L.A. It looked yeah. like heat. It looked like I I can't believe I, I wrote the same thing down. Oh, did you? Really? Uh, I, I didn't. I, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't mean I know, to steal but I didn't know. I didn't even put it there. But I was Michael Mann. Yeah, that it, it was like cool. Michael it was um, or like, a, you know, kind of a um, matrixy, you know, uh, yeah. All, was they, it they, Australia? Matrix yeah, it where? was really interesting because, um, In Atlanta, as you know, Australia. I like I like the cinematography, and I was reading about it. They picked a specific color palette for yeah. each of the dreams, and actually, they said this level of the dream was one of the hardest things to shoot because Christopher Nolan wanted to shoot this sequence, which is in L.A., and the mm. rain is coming. Right. During during the day. And they never and I didn't even think about this, but then I went back and started thinking about it. You never shoot rain during the day sequences in films because the lighting is so hard to achieve. Right. And I just love why it was raining. Yeah. Why was it raining? T- tell me why was it raining? Because it was raining because the one character who was responsible. Whose dream it was supposed to it's be. It's his dream. Um, he had to go to the bathroom. So he had a few cocktails, I think he said, before yeah, they, before they fell, fell asleep. Yeah, so it's yeah. raining. Um, um, yeah. But I, I, I love it. And it is a heat. The way they're, if you watch it, the way they're walking with the guns. So yeah. basically one of the rules they set up is that people are trained to fight Inception. Right. Which was supposed to be a military tool that was used originally to train soldiers so they wouldn't die. And now – so Killian Murphy's character has been trained to fight back events. So his subconscious is basically armed guards and yes. on the on every level of the dreams. Yeah. So there it's and there's some amazing sequences here. The big jump sequence is why I'm drinking conductor beer is he ran Christopher Nolan ran a train. Yeah. Straight through the downtown streets of L.A. And it's supposed to be with the train. We'll talk more about this with Mall and Cobb. Yeah. It's supposed to be a connection to them. And it's your suit out. But this is again. So now if we talk about it, the setup has been really good. But this is a sequence, probably not purposeful, but brought connotations of heat to me where people are being shot. Saito gets hit. And then we learn. And I thought this was brilliant. The chemist who had been involved with getting them to different levels says, I made this compound to make people dream and not be able to wake up from dreams and stuff where now you're supposed to be able to – if you get killed in the dream, you're supposed to wake up. That's always been the rule. 
I love he changes it. Yeah, because so the stakes we made this compound. Higher. We made this compound. You can't wake up. So if you're dead, you're dead and you go to limbo. And uh, so it's a Michael Mann sequence here. And we don't need to go more because I think there's some cool stuff here. Right. But we go another level down. Yeah, so, so the next level down, go they, with it. What's they, the next they, level down? They uh, basically get everyone to go to sleep again inside a van. They're driving now in the in the L.A. dream sequence. Um, the chemist is driving a van where they're all asleep. And the dream that they enter is a hotel where um, – yeah, it's just a basic hotel scene, like a downtown hotel. Um, it's you know, it looks like uh, Killian Murphy just sitting at the bar, and they decide to run a con on him, and actually, um, basically tell him that they are there dreaming with a Mr. Charles, Mr. Charles. Yeah. So, and what they convince him of is that they are his trained subconscious helping him out. That someone is there to get information out of him. And they need uh, they need his help in order to stop it from happening. And this is the level of the dream that um, f- just from a filmmaking perspective, mm-hmm. I find really intriguing. They go to a, a warmer you in the color palette again. So to do it. But basically, they're they're running a con here. Right. And I love this. This is like, OK, so now you've had this heat film. You've had almost a Jurassic Park esque sci fi movie at the beginning. Right. Now it's almost like you're running, you know, this con movie. It, it, this is where they're running Mission like a Impossible. Shell game. Yeah, a shell game. It is. Yeah. It's kind of like the mission it's actually very similar to mission impossible ghost protocol the con they're running in the hotel and we get this amazing sequence uh later in the film because we're jumping all over here we're going to mess with time in the film just like christopher nolan does though but this is the amazing sequence this hotel dream level where you get if you saw the trailer if you've ever seen the film this zero gravity fight that joseph gordon uh levitt is having in this hallway so the reason the zero gravity happens though is that on the first dream level um the truck has jumped off a bridge yeah because it's yeah we i guess we should say there's this idea of a kick yeah that can wake you up from the dream and we can't explain this if we wanted to sit here and we would literally be here till 5 a.m trying to explain all the kick is basically like for me in my dreams i was telling katie this the other night as we're watching i'm never like falling off a cliff or falling off anything that you know everyone has falling dreams mine is always like so stupid it's like i trip over a curb and i'm about to fall like really small falls I'm impressed. You, I can't even think what my kick. That's what wakes me up. Yeah, is that's amazing. Yeah. So, but I love this this rotating mm. sequence, yeah. and I was always and I, I you see it visually, and I was intrigued how they shot this. What they actually did is they made like an elevator shaft, so they shoot most of it. So it's supposed to be a hotel hallway, which they have established in the shot. They build a hotel, uh, excuse me, an elevator shaft of the hotel hallway vertical. Uh-huh. Put Joe, um, put uh, Arthur, who's Joseph Gordon, uh, on harnesses, and they put the camera, and the hallway rotates vertically 360 degrees as the camera is stationary. Yeah, and that's why there's no, there's only, the only v, um, VFX shots in this are removing the cables. That's crazy. And it's, I think from a a perspective, it's you have to go watch this. And by the way, if you don't want to watch the whole film, I highly recommend it. I was talking to some people I work with this week who are going to watch it. They've never seen it. So you really should watch this movie. You know, some movies that's a toss up here. I, this is a movie. I think it's, it's cool. You should watch it. And this sequence it's by the way, Stanley Cooper. 
And it's Stanley Kubrick from 2001 Space Odyssey. And Nolan is obsessed with Stanley Kubrick. He actually redid the 70 millimeter version of Space Odyssey that came out in August, which I kick myself. I missed and I'm I'm so aggravated by <laughs> that. And we have to watch that. Some have you seen no. Space Odyssey? Or um, we have years ago, years ago. Oh, I've we seen have to pieces, watch. We, we yeah. have to watch it. But that's where this shot came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's happening in that dream level. Let's just go down the other dream level because yep. then I want to start to build. The next dream level is James Bond world. A video game like this was Literally. Video game. This is this is what James Bond Spectre should have been. Yeah. James Nolan, uh, Christopher Nolan should have done this movie. And by the way, they weren't even hiding this. I read uh, I was reading an article from Wally Fister and Christopher Nolan, uh, his DP and him. They're huge Bond fans. Okay. And they said this is our homage to Bond, which leads me to a really interesting question. Should Tom Hardy, who plays the Bond role 100%. in this sequence, be Bond with Christopher Nolan and Fuster as the DP and Jonathan Nolan writing it? Should that be the next one hundred percent? Because be, this sequence yes. is awesome. Every the the cuts, the action, everything about it was what the James Bond. It's what the James Bond movies have been lacking. The bad James Bond movies. Some of Daniel Craig ones are awesome. Yeah. It's what the bad James Bonds ones have been. And Mission Impossible has been doing. Right. An amazing action sequence, great dialogue, fantastic cutting. Just I, it moves the sequence along. We'll talk more about the themes of it, but I love the action in yes. this. Awesome. It was it was so they did a great, great, great job and uh with this sequence. And those are some of the action pieces for, if you're an action fan, see this movie yep. because there is some really cool action stuff in it. But I think the heart, to me, the heart of this movie, and it's really odd as I as I rewatched it again. And because when I taught it, I looked at it from a perspective of dreams because that's how we used it. Yep. But as I watched it, I thought the idea of relationships was really intriguing. So mm-hmm. why don't we talk a little bit about the Cobb and Mal, who's his wife relationship and some of the things that stood out. To us about this, because I think in many ways, this is the core of what this film is about. Really, right, for me. right, yeah. So, for, I, I guess you know, for me, right off the bat, mall <laughs> means bad, right? Like that, yeah. That, and so, like, I, you're you're immediately if you don't connect that, you'll get it pretty quickly because she is represented not as herself. Because you'll come to learn that you know any manifestation of her is not really. Her, her at all it's not her yeah. it's um it's basically his his uh, subconscious mind attacking everybody because he can't control what's going on in his subconscious he he's so scarred by what happened which you find out um later on um i don't know if we want to bring that up yet but no um, i think we can yeah I mean, so say she, what it is she is she and him accidentally uh they would dream together all the time so they would use this shared dream as something that they really enjoyed uh together and they accidentally used i I couldn't this is the part got a little uh confusing for me but they ended up in limbo together yeah well no i think the to me what from watching this ridiculous number of times is that they were doing dream research 
and he wanted to keep going lower and he wanted to be the he's like the best at this and they said let's even go lower so they got to this level that becomes that we know from the purpose of this film as limbo right and he brought her with him and it's not technically like the traditional christian no it's it's it's, yeah it's supposed to be subconscious level level. there's nothing but um you know your your subconscious and and, right right it's it's pure emotion nothing you can't control it really yeah, uh, so they I ended would... up there and they were kind of stuck there and and one of the things they play with and you, and you mentioned this uh prior to tonight brian is that you know he plays with time here meaning that the lower you go in the dreams the slower time moves so um and he does the same thing in interstellar um there's scientific reasons why in interstellar it happens um memento oh, he and, does and, so memento. and you didn't see dunkirk he does the same thing in yeah. dunkirk as well so, he plays you time. know a minute in the sub in or you know a year in this in the subconscious limbo space is basically like it could be like a minute in in yeah. real real life um so mal and Cobb are i think he says 15 years no it's more than that is it? it's 50 years. 50 years 50 years they they so they live in a dream sense 50 years of life together together alone alone just the two of them when it's merely whatever in a half hour nap or something like that and i this to me i find this so intriguing when i watch it and this is one of the things where i'm just going to lay the cards out here i watch this film in two different ways because i've seen it so many different times now Mm -hmm. i i i deal with the film in one way in which i believe everything is the dream of Cobb. Right. And we never really meet who Cobb is. This is solely the dream of a man who is Leonardo DiCaprio and he's going through this. Mm-hmm. And he's a he's a person who's using his dreams from a Freudian idea to to work out his problems. And I think there's a lot of evidence of that throughout the film. Right. You can you can deal with a lot of the problems you have with the film by saying this is a dream. Right. And then I also try to watch it from, a, you know, sometimes I watch it and I try to watch it from, a, you know, this is a real thing happening here. But part of this mall cop thing in my mind is if I look at it from a dream perspective, the mall character is really interesting because I think Maul's a real character. I think it's his wife. And I think his wife probably his wife kills himself. We see that she throws herself off the building in this. And I think that her death is probably real. And maybe that's even real. What I think we're seeing is him working through what the consequences of that are Mm -hmm. and 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 what dreams are about. And the line she uses when we see her one of the first times is pain is in your mind Mm -hmm. and this idea of. He needs to work through the trauma that has been caused to him in his life by her. And I think you can see that in either interpretation. If it's a real world setting, his wife killed himself and he's working through that. Or if it's just a dream and she killed himself and he's working through that. But I also thought it was really interesting that these two characters is the idea of you need to take a leap of faith in your life. And his wife leaps off a hotel building and dies and there's there's an argument to be made is any of the characters other than Cobb real because they keep sprinkling in this idea of subconscious everything's about sub- right is Maul just a manifestation of him saying I didn't take a leap of faith in my life and I'm an older man now 
like Saito is at the beginning of the film. And I didn't take a leap of faith. And by me not doing that, I'm regretting it. And right. and I think which I think is something. And even if that's not the case, I think what's brilliant about it is he just gets you thinking like there's multiple levels of how you could view this movie right. with her. And yeah. And if you're if you do take the movie at face value um, when they were in the in the limbo space, um, yeah. basically what happened was he she started to become obsessed with the idea that uh, they should stay there. They had already had kids at this point, right? Yeah, they had two. They had two yeah. kids at this point. They were not in limbo, interestingly, but they're supposed to be in the real world, right? And so he he is starting to realize that she does not want to leave this place, um, and so and they were kind of stuck there. Um, so he basically is basically stumbles upon the idea of inception here. Um, and so you find out that he actually plants the idea in Mal's head that the world that you're currently living in is not real. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And so like the implications of what that right. means. And basically you find out throughout the movie because they bring it up when they're talking about Cillian Murphy that they're about to do something to this guy that is going to change his life not just because of the actions he's going to take, it's going to change who he, who he is because of the beliefs that he now has that he thinks came directly from himself. Well, and I think the interesting thing is we, you see Maul multiple times in this movie, but the sequence when they're in the limbo state towards the end of the movie. So we've yep. gone through the Jane Bond sequence and they're trying to mm-hmm. save Killian Murphy. And, you know, we get to that idea. That Cobb did this to her. Right. And I thought this was this really intriguing idea that Nolan puts in. And you brought up Inception, which I don't think is as good – or excuse me, Interstellar, which right. I don't think is as good as Inception. But for me, being a dad of daughters like you are, like there's it's something so about good. that film that really pulls at me. Yeah. But I thought there's, there's this great line where the two of them are talking and I think – to me, this is what the movie came down to. If you believe in this is like a subconscious dream. And Maul, and Cobb says to Maul, I was just trying to save you. And she says to him, but you betrayed me. Right. And it's this idea of are we in a society there where we do things for the ones we love because we think it's right for them. Mm-hmm. And what it really does is is damage them in a way that's irreparable. You, you can't, yeah, you can't repair that. And I thought that that it was, it's almost like it's buried in it. And I, I certainly, this is not something you could pick up in the first viewing or the second right. view. I like, I've seen it so many times, but I, to me, that was so powerful. This idea that here you have this guy where, where he clearly, he forces clearly a change. Lo- he forces yeah, a but change he, on her. But he also clearly loves this woman with Correct. everything in him. And that's even I, – I even you pick up that when Arthur says, oh, she was a wonderful woman. There's like mm-hmm. this line where he says to Ellen Page, oh, she was – you can't even believe how amazing. So everything he was doing was for her. Right. But this idea that if you want to do for something for somebody who you love so much – there still is damage in that if you don't let them be 
who they are. Right. And I thought that that was kind of like, we, well, maybe we'll do Interstellar at some point. And it was that to me, it was this is almost this relationship between husband and wife and this person you love, whereas Interstellar is this whole father daughter dynamic. Right, and I just right. thought that that was so fascinating that he was willing to put something like this into a, a major action kind of thriller blockbuster that he yeah, would do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really loved this, this theme throughout and, um, you know, he's been hinting at it all along that, um, he had done inception before and, and you kind of realized that he stumbled upon it. It wasn't something that he, he, he thought, oh, I'll give it a try. And he didn't realize what it was actually going to do. Um, but it was definitely like the domino that set off. Um, you know, if, if you take it from your stance where everything is, is him working through that idea of what caused her to kill herself, um, then yeah, his inception caused it. But even if you just take the movie at face value, it also set in motion oh. all the, all the events. Oh, it's, um, it's really powerful regardless of, of how you view it. And I that's think. when, when they're talking with Saito in the very beginning, when the, after the old man Saito, uh, you know, has his piece, it basically cuts to a jump cuts to, um, them in the same room, uh, as young men, as young men and saying, you know, the most insidious thing, it's not a parasite. It's not this, it's an idea. Once it takes hold, it's really hard. And so they're setting you up in really basically the first scene for this, for this theme to come full circle. Well, and I also thought the mall character is really interesting in the sense that it defines, really how guilt or anger influences our perception of people. So Cobb feels, I think, this huge sense of guilt towards Maul's death, and it turns her almost into a villain in this movie. And it, like she's evil because it's eating at him and it, it, it affects all his memories of who she is. And and he even says in this sequence in Limbo, I can never replicate you in a dream. I can never replicate you in a memory of who you were because you were so amazing. And I thought that was really interesting that our emotions really dictate our memories of who people are. And I also thought it interestingly tied into Guillermo del Toro last week when we did Michael Shannon yep. in The Shape of Water, this idea of can you embrace your responsibility for someone's collapse? Right. And if you can, then maybe you can begin again like – by him embracing at the end that he did that to her. Right. He was able to release that guilt and maybe remember who she was again and love himself and what that relationship was. Yeah, and yeah, until absolutely. he did that, just like, you know, Michael Shannon was never able to do that in Shape of Water. You know, whereas every all the other characters were able to embrace the monsters they were and mm -hmm. could then move on with their lives. And I thought that was a really interesting thing he did with those characters, too. Whether or not you believe it is a dream or a real situation, either way it plays out, I think. Yeah. So we go to the end of the film. So the end of the film, Cobb has to go save Saito because the idea is Cobb's going to be able to get back to his children. Right. Mal has killed herself to give you an idea. If you've never seen the film, hopefully many of you have. Um, Mal has killed herself, made it look like 
Leonardo DiCaprio killed her. So he has to abandon his children, everything. Saito has said to him, if you do Inception, I will let you come back to the US. You can be back with your children. He goes down to Limbo, saves him, and we get this sequence of DiCaprio walking through the airport, which visually is kind of cool, but we won't spend a lot of time on that. And we get to probably the biggest talking point for a lot of people in this movie. Throughout this film, there's been a totem, and a totem is supposed to let you know if you're in a uh, dream or not in a dream. And Cobbs was a top that he would spin. So he he finally gets to see his children and they played this sequence a lot of times, spins the top, walks towards his children, camera zooms in, tops wobbling. And then we don't know if it falls or not. And it's a dream. Right. What is your interpretation? Did the top fall? Did it not? And then we'll just kind of spend a couple minutes on some of the themes that you thought were important in well, this film. At its base, I think a lot of people would say, like, Nolan's messing with you here, trying to say, like, you know, uh, you you make up your own mind on what happened. But honestly, I think what he's trying to say is that it's not important whether it's a dream or not, because Cobb has clearly dealt with the things that he needs to deal with. So if it, even if it is a dream, he is in a better place than he was at the beginning of the movie. And if it's not a dream, then he's in a much better place than he was at the beginning of the movie. Um, it would, you know, my interpretation is that, ah, man, I don't know. I, I still struggle with this. I don't know whether I think it was a dream or not. And I think that's because like you said, the, the, the airport sequence, there are parts of that airport sequence where he's walking, where I'm like, this is a dream. Like he is. Oh, absolutely. That the focus in and out, the blurriness, and the the whole idea and of how focusing sort on certain of, characters. Yeah, and everyone, as as he passes the rest of the team, each one of them kind of gives him like a, "Hey, what's up, man?" Like they, you know, uh, it's so hard for me to decide if I think it's a dream. But again, I don't. I don't necessarily think that's. Do you care? Is mm-hmm. a real question. Does it change your? Do you need to know? Or was the experience of the film itself worthwhile no, yeah, enough I for don't you care. one no. way or the other? One and I think or, that's yeah. interesting because he gave – he would never answer this question when it came out. Right. Uh, and I remember looking at it. But then uh, in the research from doing this podcast, it's one of the reasons I'll be doing this podcast now because I re- we revisit these things from a while ago. He gave a graduation speech at Princeton. Okay. And he said a couple of things that were really cool. And he basically said perhaps at all levels of reality – Everything is valid. Everything about you is you. And this idea that we learn about Leonardo DiCaprio and that character regardless of whether or not it's real or it's a dream. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was really interesting. And he had another great quote and he said, I felt that over time we started to view reality as the poor cousin to our dreams in a sense. I want to make the case to you that our dreams, our virtual realities, our abstractions that we enjoy and surround ourselves with are subsets of our reality. So either way, I think we learned who Leonardo DiCaprio was in this movie. And I go back and forth on whether or not the top fell down. Yeah. And, you know, I, I. I, in my mind, if I view it as a as a real film, I say, I, I don't know. If I view it as a dream, I say, I don't care because right. he's clearly worked through whatever this was supposed to be for him. And 
and I think that's ultimately the thing that's most important to me. And one of the other things that's really important to me is ultimately, uh, you know, there's all these arguments online and feel free to go online and look at it. Like, you know, people say it's a real movie will say, you know, in real scenes, Cobb has his wedding ring on in the dreams. He doesn't. So when the top's spinning at the end, Cobb has his wedding ring on and the kids are wearing different clothes than all the other. So you can go see all these different things. To me, ultimately, through all these watchings of this movie, what I found so intriguing is, again, this story of what reality is and does it matter? And, you know, your dreams are part of who you are. Right. And, you know, if we look at a person as a toll, I know dreams aren't real, but it's still a piece of who you are. So isn't it real then? And I also thought it was this interesting idea that I had as a parent of, you know, do we like Cobb did with Maul attempt to put our dreams in our realities upon our children, which I think was another interesting question that needs to be put there. And I think that's as a teacher always interesting for me because you see that with parents who impose what their dreams of things are onto their children. And how does that affect them? And I, I thought, you know, I think Nolan does this amazing job of mixing blockbuster with really almost independent right. film, really thoughtful things. And I mean, I could talk about this movie forever yeah. uh, because I'm so intrigued by the messages in it. But this is an absolute must see for me. Yeah, maybe 100 you know, percent. Yeah. Lebowski is one of my all time favorites, but this might be, in my opinion, one of the best we've, you know, we've reviewed together. Oh, I, I really, yeah. I really enjoy it a lot. Um, so, uh, quickly just thumbs up or thumbs down. I, I have no thumbs down. What's one thing that real like with you sticks out with this movie? So thumbs up, obviously everything that we talked about Leonardo DiCaprio, the cast in general, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We didn't really talk about him much. No, he, he was great. Fantastic. Um, and, and believable and, and just the interplay between him and Tom Hardy was great. Um, you know, even, um, yeah, it was just the, every, there's everything about this movie was great. The one thing I will say a down point and, um, it's Ken Watanabe audio in the first couple scenes. He has an accent that's pretty thick, but it's really hard to understand him. But that's the thing with him. Did you see Interstellar in the theater? I saw he, it. No. He, but he, he had the same I, problem with Bane. Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. I think it's purposeful. I saw Interstellar in the theater and I had problems understanding the dialogue. Right. I, 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 think, there, I think there's something there. Like, I think it, I honestly think it's purposeful, but that's it. I, I agree with you. Bane. Yeah him three times i don't think you make that i wonder if it's again. if it's sort of like his way of like they used to say this about the rolling stones that like it was really hard to understand the lyrics uh there's even that scene in the wire where um prez Belusky is talking about he would listen to the wire and he could hear things that the other people couldn't hear because he used to like put his head like right up to the speaker to make sure yeah. he could understand all the lyrics of classic rock songs yeah. um and i think that's what we're getting here is we're getting this audio that's sort of bad Back in the mix yeah um, I, there's you would know better with that stuff with me and but if it is purposeful that makes a lot of sense i just think it's a shame that he did it to that actor because of the accent yeah i don't i don't know what it is but it, there's so many films with him now yeah. uh, one thing i did not give a shout out to in this movie i don't have any really thumbs down with it um 
is Hans Zimmer's score. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, Hans Zimmer, um, but time, the dun, 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 dun. other, I, I think it's for a non-franchise film, the best single trap from any audio film soundtrack I've ever heard. Okay. It's used. I mean, it's used so well and they work together a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the time I have it on my phone. I listen to it. I just love the way he uses um, that in this film. So this is for me, this is a major thumbs up this film. If you've never seen it, a must uh, a must see for me. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Two thumbs up. Go see it. Uh, I love pretty much everything about it. Again, right. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I, I really, I really do love it. All right, so quickly here, we don't want to drag people's uh, nights through and days through too long here. We appreciate listening. Quickly, I want to talk a little bit about spanning the globe, pop culture, few things. Um, there's a ton of trailers that drop this week, and next week when Jim's up here, we have a, a bunch yep. of stuff that we'll talk about with you guys in terms of really interesting things that's happening. But I want to talk about one trailer that jumped out at us because both Jim and I love. Uh, Will Farrell. Before the show, we watched it together. What is your thoughts on the Holmes and Watson new uh, Will Farrell, John C. Riley film? It looks awful. I mean, I'm kind of isn't it? Isn't it kind of isn't it sad? I will say this: um, like I thought, Step Brothers was going to be really terrible. It turned out to be absolutely hilarious. Um, I thought the house with Jason Manzukis and Amy Poehler yes. and Will Fowler was going to be terrible. I laughed a lot during that movie. Um, so maybe there's something th- that this isn't showing me in the trailer that I, I will like. I, I, I doubt it, though. I, it most most comedies show you too much in the trailer. Which is but what scares what me. What I'm wondering is if there's like a, a deeper vibe, if there's a different tone, because yeah. the tone of this just looks all wrong to me. I, I thought the first, well, you go watch the trailer. We, we don't have to spend any more time than this. I, I'm a little upset. This to me is further proof that comedians have a shelf life in film of about five years. It was Adam Sandler, then it was Will Farrell, then it's, you know, Ben Stiller was in there when we talked about something about Mary. Um, this is going to be a watch when it's on Netflix type thing for oh, me. Yeah, and I yeah. and I love Anchorman's one of my all time comedic favorites. I just feel like and I even like Ta- Talladega Lights uh, Nights and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Step Brother. Although I just I don't know. I don't know about that one. Um, all right. Also. We have to have a serious talk about what the hell is going on with Hollywood right now, because it is driving me fucking insane. It, we we do an amazing movie like Interstellar with Christopher Nolan. You, there's a couple of this amazing was Inception, films. but yeah, Inception, Interstellar. Oh, you know, we get these movies. Then we get this Newsweek, and I keep track of all kind of the news stories, and there was some good stuff this week. A couple of talking points here. I believe it was last week, maybe the week before, we talked about the Dark Phoenix trailer, which, by the way, neither of us liked. And poor Keenan from our pop adult, our friends at pop adult, oh, I have to go see this. No, you don't, Keenan. Please don't go see it. Whatever you do, do not go see this movie. Uh, But here, you want to talk about how screwed up Hollywood is. They launched this trailer, right? And it says, come see it February 14th. Two freaking days later, they announced they've moved it to June. So you announce a trailer release two yeah. days later, you move it to, and and then the director comes out and says, "Well, some of the trailer said coming soon, and some had to." Re- what? What are you talking about? 
this movie, A, looks awful. B, they can't decide when to do it. On top of it, New Mutants, which was also made by them, was supposed to come out a year and a half ago. His comment about this was, we're still trying to figure out the tone of the movie. We're trying to figure out if it's scary. It was filmed two years ago, and you don't know what it is. I mean, no clue there. I am irate on the fact that Tom Hardy, who both of us love, yeah. is in Venom, which is the biggest shit show dumpster <laughs> fire movie of the last three months here. We're talking about a movie that is currently trending at 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tom Hardy this week came out and said 30 to 40 minutes of the best part of the movie was cuts. Yeah. My favorite 30. And then he had to backtrack because some publicists said, oh, shit. You, you better come out and yeah, say no one, yeah. something. Nobody. And on top of it, we have freaking Lady Gaga fans creating false reviews of the film because her movie, A Star is Born, is coming out. Which is this probably going to be. This is what Hollywood is coming. But, this but is A Star is Born is probably going to be Oscar. Yeah, nobody needs to do that. Yeah, it's yeah. going to win the Oscar for Best Picture and they're creating for and then on top of it, you and I have talked about this. The same director of Dark Phoenix comes out and says, oh, don't worry, Gambit with Channing Tatum, which should be awesome, should be theoretically right. amazing. Uh, what is your inspiration? Oh, we're going to make it like a romantic comedy, like <laughs> Logan was a Western. What the hell are you talking about? This this is a come immediately every film that. Has been bought by Disney in the should be shut down. Yeah, it should immediately. Dark Phoenix should never be released. I don't care how much it costs them. New Mutants. I don't even know who the new mutants are. You couldn't tell me who the old mutants are. I don't know. Shouldn't be made. Death Deadpool. The only good non Marvel comic movie with Ryan Reynolds is being re released as a PG 13 release in December. The only thing that worked about Deadpool was it was not a PG 13 film. Right. Horrific. All of it. It, Which makes me only appreciate more what Marvel does. Somehow they do not screw it up. I don't know how they do it. We talked about the instant review of the Captain Marvel trailer. Right. Amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. I, I, I Hollywood. These films are no better than my shit show Pretty Raptor pitch. I actually should get on a jet, fly out to Hollywood and start pitching these movies because these movies I have an idea for are not <laughs> well, that much worse than the films that are currently being made in Hollywood. They're yeah, not that it, much worse. It's so um, it's so weird. It's, it's so, deflating. It's it, really you watch an amazing movie like what Christopher Nolan does, and then you realize what else is being greenlit in Hollywood. It's crazy. I don't I don't understand it. Right. Right. I, no, you're you're right. <laughs> um, now, this is something I'm really trying to do for us for next week for pop culture. Have you heard about the uh, I s- new Johnny Walker? flavor i saw Love it today music. in uh at you saw total, it in a store at total wine yeah i saw it today. oh my god i have Here, got here's to my it. concern okay so it's a cool so looking tell bottle. everybody what okay, it is so tell everybody a, what this is. johnny walker has uh, you know the scotch whiskey uh distiller has brought out um what they're calling the white walker which is a, a, 
a Game of Thrones themed uh, whiskey yes. uh, and bottle. It's it's like a white granite. It's hard to explain. It looks like ice, like the wall in uh, Game of Thrones. You have to freeze it in your freezer. Yeah, if you put the bottle in the freezer, it apparently glows and will say winter is here. Um, the And it, the bottle recommends serving the whiskey from the freezer, which is just a... Like... If, for whiskey drinkers, that's a weird thing. Like, no, it's not. It's not normal. No, no, it's a weird thing. Um, well, we are going to do this next week if I can find it when you're here live. Well, I am like, going to go yeah. out and purchase the bottle. It's not and crazy expensive. It's under fifty bucks. Oh a no, bottle. it's not. It's, it's like thirty nine bucks. I think. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. It's it's cheap. We, we will try that and we'll show you that. Um, you know, the white walkers are supposed to represent the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what really represents the apocalypse? I think the we're going to hear. I, the movie news I forgot to mention, Dance Dance Revolution, you know, the the arcade game, is being turned into a real film about the apocalypse. And dancing on the machine is going to be what stops the apocalypse. Well, just to be fair, that is more ridiculous than any movie idea that I will ever come up with dance 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 revolution the board game uh, the uh, dance game video yeah. arcade game is going to save the world <laughs> tell me that's not more ridiculous than anything that we have brought up on it's, this show ever. it's ridiculous but there's so little there in terms of like it's a real film yeah. I, can't, I can't fathom what the hell they're doing right so there's so little there that i'm thinking that they better have someone actually creative working on this because they're like what's the story oh they they won't they yeah. won't this is gonna be like some guy's kid who wrote like uh, a film in 1990 that made some money and he's gonna get the job uh so that's spanning the globe pop culture now it is time for five questions oh, uh we God. have our our we're our not doing a minute again but no no well the timer doesn't work my daughter okay. broke so oh, we have right. the shape of water timer but i did cut down the uh the questions a lot here okay. so five questions for jim all right here we go uh question number one thumbs up or thumbs down pumpkin beer Sideways. I'm, I'm sideways on it. I'm not a I, I think there's been a lot of backlash on pumpkin beer recently. People hate it. Um, I've had a lot of really poor ones, but I've had some some that are really good. Uh, the one that I actually like a lot is uh, Fegley's Brewworks Devious. It's a uh, it, I don't know that. I don't it drink doesn't, pumpkin. Yeah, it doesn't shy away from the pumpkin inspired. You know, and most of these are not pumpkin flavored. They're they're pumpkin spice flavor, which means they just throw a bunch of cinnamon, clovey stuff in and, well, we, and call we have it a day. A, we have a uh, harpoon pumpkin flavor beer sitting in the fridge waiting mm -hmm. for you when you come up to visit. Yeah, uh, uh, here we go. All right, here we go. Uh, better Corey. Corey Haim. Or Corey Feldman. Oh, Feld I'm a Feldman guy all the way. The, okay. You know, Stand By Me, the, uh, the, <laughs> who is he? I forget his character's name. He's the crazy Oh, dude. I know you. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's right now. And your all dad right. held your head to the stove and burnt your ear. Uh, and there's a 50-50 chance you and I are going to watch uh, via live Facebook, uh, License to Drive, while uh, drinking fair. next weekend. So we'll see what happens there. All right. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. I want blank playing Wolverine in the Marvel cinematic, uh, cinematic universe. Oh, geez. 
it's the one that I heard is Leave Shriver, who I think would be pretty damn good. Um, I've actually heard him as Sabretooth, and I, I was he well, wasn't he Sabretooth was in he, the yeah maybe he, he was, was right um, yeah I think he was in there. the original movie. I don't know right, who Leave I Shriver, want. That would be a good one, yeah. but we'll see. I'm sure they'll come up with a good choice. All right, uh, here we go. Big topic of discussion on our social media this week. What's your favorite dream song? Oh. Ah, uh, so the, the the ones that immediately come to mind were uh, Aerosmith, Dream On, and Great one. Uh, I don't even know who sings this, Dreamweaver, the one from... <laughs> oh, Gary, uh, oh God. The one Dreamweaver. Wayne, Wayne's World, every time he saw Cassandra, it would play <laughs> yeah. that song. Oh, so good. But actually, I think my one of my favorites, it's a little less known, would be Dreams by Brandy Carlisle. So if oh, you don't know, I, check I actually that out. have that on my pre-show playlist yeah. uh, to listen to. Uh, final question: Deep thoughts with Jim DeSanto oh, here. Jesus, Jim, do <laughs> dreams really come true? <laughs> well, I can tell you that a few years ago, I was dreaming of this exact moment. This podcast, everything has come together. It's like a perfect. That yeah. sounds like a you nightmare. You too, kids. It, sound, yeah, it yeah. Sounds, like, sounds more like a nightmare for you. Uh, and that is uh, five questions. All right. Uh, recommendations. What do you got for us this week? Uh, my recommendations. The 1792 bourbon uh, for a foolproof barrel strength bourbon. Uh, it's relatively cheap. Uh, check it out. And Jason Isbell, music. Um, check him out. He, I think he wrote some of the songs for A Star Is Born. Um and his his two or three solo records have been just absolutely incredible. He used to be with um, the Drive By Truckers. They kicked him out because he was drinking and doing too much drugs. He got sober, clean, and has well, that sounds like the music yeah. industry. Well, is, like is Mandy, that grounds uh, for dismissal? No, apparently Mandy Moore and Ryan Adams like saved his life. Like had an intervention, and he has written some amazing songs. So featured on things like um, "This Is Us." He did uh, "If We Were Vampires" was a song on "This Is Us" this year, and people went crazy for that. So um, definitely check him out. All right. Uh, my recommendations. Amazing book I just finished. It's called Football for a Buck uh, by Jeff Perlman. Just announced actually is a New York Times bestseller today. I'm also, by the way, super, super excited. And I'm sure it's all because of the comm majors uh, fans. Kyle Mills Red War will debut as a New York Times number one bestseller. Awesome. Uh, coming this week. But Jeff Perlman, um, if, I, I don't even care if you – this is about the USFL, which is I love the 80s. A yeah. crazy fucking football league in the 80s. The stories in this book are amazing. Philadelphia Stars, shout out to Philadelphia, won two of the three championships in this league. And it's also about how Donald Trump destroyed this league uh, through his. But my God, it doesn't matter if I don't even watch much NFL. If you just want to read an amazing book, this book had me laughing. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it. this is such a good book. And you want to talk about a, a, a you know, we talk about dreams here. This was Jeff Perlman, who's a fantastic writer, his dream project. This was his passion product. He hand signed stickers to send everybody who pre-ordered his like read this. So good. You don't even have to be a sports fan to read it. You can just read it and you'll love every second. Is of he going to do one on the XFL after this? 
Oh, maybe not. The XFL is coming back. He hate me. I'm going to wear my he hate me jersey. I cannot wait. Uh, the, my other quick recommendation. Um, now, this is a, a magazine actually from England, the Empire Podcast. I, I subscribe to it. This is the uh, the bad the bad times at El Royale. If you're a movie or a TV fan, subscribe to this. Amazing. The articles and stuff on it are super cool. It's a monthly magazine. Yeah, it's you, like, worth- you read the articles, Ryan. Well, I do. Actually, there's some amazing – and the pictures are good too. Yeah. Uh, but really, uh, we'll be talking about this next week when we see the film. See that. Uh, and that uh, those are uh, – oh, also, Conductor. Eat your uh, we, didn't even talk, we didn't even talk about the freaking train, the train that runs oh, over yeah. Mall and Cobb's head and runs – whatever. Drink uh, Shovel Town beer if you can. Get a hand on it. And yeah. uh, it's amazing. And if, right, I, if uh, anybody plugs. wants Shovel Town beer, let me know. I'm going up there. That's um, right. Plugs. Check us out on uh, Twitter, Facebook, all the places, Com Majors. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash soldier on TV. You can follow me on Twitter at soldier on TV. Brian is on Twitter as well at B Costello Books. Um, yeah, our Facebook video might have went out, but we'll get it up there. We'll get the full video up um, so that everyone can enjoy. And the audio version should be in your ear holes soon. Yeah, uh, share, please, with as many people as possible. Some of you have been doing that, and that's yeah. fantastic. A uh, couple of quick plugs here. Remember, October 25th, we'll be doing Everybody Knows Somebody Who Loves Harry Potter. You all love Harry Potter. Make sure you join us for our big Harry Potter event. Uh, read the book. I'm more than halfway through right now, Chambers, or excuse me, Sorcerer's Stone. My guess is Jim has not read a page uh, of the book. Have untrue. You? Uh, me, oh. and, me, me and Lily and have been we had read the book last year so i'm not okay all right so you're good to go Uh, i have not seen the film in year this is going to be amazing free prizes alcoholic butterbeer we're going to give away soldier on uh cds yeah have you found some we're going to give away some soldier yeah i'll bring have you found any soldier on uh t-shirts no see if you can find some (laughs) i have my personal t-shirts that have been worn Let's see if you can find some. We're going to send you that. I will send you an autographed uh, picture of uh, Pretty Raptor. uh, Pretty Raptor. You will get you can you can we will give you a roll in Pretty Raptor if you want. Uh, Next week. So I mean, I can't even express um, how much you're going to want to watch this because there will be large volumes of alcohol involved. Uh, Jim is traveling up to Boston. This this if you've only ever watched one episode of Commagers, my guess is this will probably be the one that you want to watch. Are we allowed to drink in the theater where you go? Yes, there is a full bar. All right. No, I mean, we, are they okay with flasks or like a camelback uh, or well, one of those? You things? don't tell them they're okay with whatever you want to do. <laughs> they actually have a fully stocked bar there. Uh, we're going to try to do. This is the first time we've this episode. First time we did Facebook Live. We're going to try to mix in some Facebook Live. We have yeah. a lot of exciting stuff. We're going to this ridiculous um, spirits. Um, company that's right on the water in boston that we're going to we're going to make an appearance at oktoberfest um at shoveltown brewery if you're some and there's hundreds of people there probably the same hundreds of people that watch us every week will be there um no doubt uh we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up um we're glad you could join us for this one uh remember harry potter start now read watch um Check out all our recommendations and please make sure you join us next week for Jim in Boston episode. Firefly. Oh, and oh, I forgot. 
Firefly. We're going to talk our first ever binge-worthy television. We're also going to talk Star Wars, which we have not done once yet on the show. So I'm going to have to prepare for that. And and maybe License to Drive. If I I can convince Jim to watch it, we (laughs) might be watching License to Drive. We might also Brian might be moving down to Philadelphia after this weekend, depending on how I much. might be kicked out of my home. Uh, please also feel free. And we love the, the comments. Comment on these episodes. Uh, send some questions to us. Uh, let us happen. Uh, not only is Jim coming to Boston this in the month of October, I will be going to Philadelphia in the month of November. So we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up here. But that's that's it for us, I think. Right. That's it, man. Good for you. All right. Good, man. Good. As always, good to talk to you. We will see you next week live from Boston. See you, everybody. See you.